0: The first scripture reading for today is from Galatians 5:26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The second scripture reading for for today is from the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend and in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
1: Galatians is spelled with three A's. There's no O in Galatians. That was, uh, was my mistake. Sorry about that. Uh, negative emotions, part five. You stuck with us. Um, we're looking this morning at maybe my favorite one so far, inferiority and inadequacy. We've looked at anger and frustration and depression and despair last week. In between, we had worry and anxiety and guilt and shame, and then this week we're coming to inferiority and inadequacy, and the idea of the series is to look at all these things through a Christian lens and and to ask, is there anything that Christianity in particular has to say about these problems, so we'll we'll do that this morning with inferiority, and as far as the structure of the sermon, it'll be one of those where uh, there's no headings or sections, it's just I've got five propositions, five full sentences that I will give to you one at a time as we go i will put them up on the screen too so you can follow along. So five propositions, five points, five statements about inferiority and inadequacy. Number one, inferiority and superiority are two sides of the same coin. They are two ways of obsessing about one's ranking. Inferiority and superiority are two sides of the same coin. They are two ways of obsessing about one's ranking. I know that when I introduced this topic today... There were a number of you that thought inferiority, thinking uh, lowly of yourself, feeling like others are above you. Well, that's actually not my problem. I, I have the opposite problem. I have, a, I have a superiority complex. I think I'm above others. I think others are beneath me, so this message isn't for me. And um, the first thing I want to say is, well, they're, they're the same thing. They're basically the same thing. Inferiority, superiority, bas- exactly the same problem, which is this obsession with how you rank Glenn Gabbard is this uh, prominent American psychiatrist and psychiatry professor at Baylor. He's written a bunch of textbooks and an award-winning guy. And uh, in the 1980s, he was the, the one to focus in on that narcissistic personality disorder has two subtypes. A grandiose subtype, which is what we think of with narcissism, but then also this insecure subtype. And it's both narcissism. It's bo- Both of those are equally an obsession with yourself and how you rank with respect to others. And in saying that, he's just picking up on something that's nascent in, in Adler's theory. Adler, uh, Alfred Adler, first one to really hone in on inferiority complexes, picking up on Freud, and, and Adler says this in the early 1900s. He says, we'll put this up on the screen, we should not be astonished if in the cases where we see an inferiority complex, we find a superiority complex more or less hidden. On the other hand, if we inquire into a superiority complex and study its continuity, we can always find a more or less hidden inferiority complex. It's a package deal. It's a package deal. And superiority may be at the the forefront and inferiority hidden underneath or vice versa. But they're the same thing, this obsession with how you rank with respect to other people. Same problem. And the reason I start with this psychology stuff is to show you how remarkable the Bible is because I want to show you this verse uh, from Galatians Uh, That Sally just read, that where St. Paul basically says the same thing several thousand years before the fields of psychology or psychiatry were ever invented. So, the verse again is uh, Galatians fifth chapter twenty sixth verse. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Spend a few minutes just on this one sentence. Three key terms there: conceited, provoking, and envying. So first, provoking. We think of uh, provoking as like, you know, taunting or, you know, one, one football player uh, tries to provoke another football player to commit a personal foul, that kind of thing. Um, but the, the literal meaning of the word provoke is uh, provoke, voc, like voice, vocal, call, and pro, forth, to call forth. And the sense of it here is this, this challenging of another person because, why, you think you're better than they are. You think you're better than they are, and so you, you challenge them. You issue them a challenge. You know, prove, prove otherwise. And it's rooted in a sense of superiority. To provoke, you have to think you're superior. I'm better than you. I'm challenging you to prove otherwise. So that's the, the superiority side of it. Provoking, second word, envying, uh, the opposite. You know, envying is not when you're looking down on someone, challenging them. Envying is when you're looking up at someone and mad about it. Bitter, because they're better than you, because they have something that you don't have. This inferiority superiority and inferiority right together and why we're interested in this is because he says they come from the same root let us not be conceited provoking and envying each other they're both conceit they're both forms they're both ways of being conceited they're both narcissism paul says the same thing that glenn gabbard says And Alfred Adler says superiority and inferiority are two sides of the same coin. They're both an obsession with one's ranking with respect to other people. That's the first point. Point number two, we're driven to obsess about our ranking because we feel that we don't have intrinsic worth. We're driven to obsess about our ranking because we feel that we don't have intrinsic worth. I want to spend more time with this word conceited from Galatians 5.26 um, and unpack it a little bit because I think it can shed some light on this problem of inferiority, superiority, obsession with rank. Um, And to do that, what I want to do is something we don't usually do on Sunday mornings, which is uh, go to the the Greek word that's being used here in the original. And the reason we don't usually do that is because um, I don't speak Greek and most of you don't speak Greek. Uh, So it's, in general, better to just let the translators do what they're trained to do and not have amateur hour up here. Um, but in this case, it's a very unique word uh, used only two times in the New Testament and very hard to translate. So I think it's it's worth it. So in the King James, the King James used to translate this word that we now translate it as conceited. The, the King James used to translate it as vainglory. Uh, they just made that word up. It made its way into English. Obviously, it's not very popular anymore. But they made it up uh, in the 1600s as a literal translation of the Greek here, which is kenodoxa. Keno meaning empty, and doxa meaning glory, like uh, the doxology, singing glory to God. Um, kenodoxa, empty glory. Empty glory is the word that it is being used here. Vain glory. And what that word does is points to something that's very true about. Conceit, which is that uh, it's rooted in this sense of, of emptiness of, of glory in and of ourselves. Now, the word glory is kind of a hang-up, too. You know, we, we think of glory in terms of, uh, like, the glory of God in a religious context or maybe even sports glory or military glory out on the battlefield. Um, but translating that in kind of more common parlance, uh, the Hebrew word for glory that's used all throughout the Old Testament is the word weight, the word heavy, the word for heavy. And that's what glory essentially is. Glory is about weight. It's about heaviness. It's about mattering. You actually matter. You're there. You're substantial. Even in English, that word matter. You matter means you're material. You have substance. If something is not important, it's immaterial. So glory means you matter. And this word, canodoxa, Empty of glory is essentially saying weightless. You don't matter. The sense that you don't matter. You say, well, how does that relate to conceit? Why would they translate that conceit? Isn't conceit being full of yourself and puffed up? What is this this about not mattering or empty of glory? Well, actually, the word conceit, you know, means uh, deception. You know, like a a literary conceit is uh, something you pretend is true for the sake of the story. So a conceited person essentially is somebody who knows deep down that they don't matter. They feel this this emptiness, this glory vacuum, this sense that they don't count. And then they go around trying to deceive everybody and prove otherwise. They go around trying to you know they know there are nobody and they go around trying to prove that there are somebody. And with that, of course, always comes this fear that you're going to be found out. You know, that somebody's going to see beneath the facade and realize that there's really nothing there. You're just an insubstantial, immaterial person. You're not really worth much, but you try to keep the the facade up. And the best way to do that, if you don't have this sense of intrinsic worth, if you have this glory vacuum deep down, the best way to try to convince yourself that you do matter is by comparing yourself to other people. Because you might not have any intrinsic worth, but maybe you can have comparative worth. You know, I'm not really truly worth anything but if as long as i'm better than that guy you know then i can feel like i'm worth something so this this fixation on superiority you have to be superior because that's the only way you can know you're worth anything or conversely you know if it turns out you don't measure up well then all of a sudden that's crushing because that's the only standard of value you have. The only sense of worth you have is in relation to other people. And so if you don't stack up, if you're not as smart, if you're not as good looking, if you're not as ambitious or motivated, if you're not as stylish, whatever it is, if you don't stack up, it's crushing because you're worth nothing now. You're literally worth nothing because the only standard of value in the universe is how you compare to other people. And if you don't compare well, forget it, forget it. You have no sense of value. But we're forced. We're forced to be obsessed with rankings because it's the only way we can know that we're worth anything because of this, this kenodoxa, this emptiness of glory, this glory vacuum, this sense deep down that we don't matter. It's number two. We're driven to obsess about our ranking because we feel that we don't have intrinsic worth. Number three, it is possible to regain a sense of intrinsic worth by reconnecting with God our father. It is possible to regain a sense of intrinsic worth by reconnecting with God, our father. And, uh, this is something we've been talking about quite a bit lately. So it's going to feel repetitive to some of you, but it's something that I've just been consumed by, um, over the past few months. Um, this relationship with God as a father and how that affects every area of our life. So we talked about this a few weeks ago that, um, a broken relationship with God as our father is kind of the source of all of our problems. And we said that's really easy to understand how that works because it's the exact same thing in in our relationship with our human father. You know, with with your human father, if that's a broken relationship, if that's a bad relationship, it causes all sorts of problems for for the entirety of your life. And the reason we're coming back to this idea again this morning is because nowhere is it more true or obvious or clear than with this issue of inferiority. If you have a broken relationship with your father, there's this sense for the rest of your life that you don't matter. And you can either respond to that, you know, just with this insecurity and kind of hiding, or you can respond to it with this overcompensating and really being driven to achieve. We talked about how uh, most of the great men of history have had bad relationships with their father, and so they're trying to prove that they're worth something. Either way, but there's just this sense that you're you're not worth anything. Let me read you uh, a quote here. This woman says, I'm struggling with fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. Then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. And I find a way to get myself out of that again and again. My drive in life is from the horrible fear of being mediocre. That's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I become somebody, I still have to prove to myself over and over again that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and i don't think it ever will that's uh That's from an old Vanity Fair interview a long time ago with Madonna um yet yeah, whoa, seriously, yeah, <laughs> who knew Madonna um and you know she's very self aware and so she's able to say more than most of us are she 's able to analyze what 's going on in her own heart and s- identify this drivenness. Um, And it's no coincidence that she had a terrible relationship with her dad. You know, that she wrote a song about it, Oh Father, uh, the lyrics to which go like this. Uh, It's funny that way you can get used to the tears and the pain. You never loved me. You can't hurt me now. I got away from you. I never thought I would. You can't make me cry. You once had the power. Seems like yesterday I laid down next to your boots and I prayed for your anger to end. And you never... You never get over that. You just never get over that. And you can try to respond to it by being better than everybody, or you can respond to it by just this feeling of shrinking and like like everybody's better than you. But you're going to be obsessed with how you rank for the rest of your life because you don't have an intrinsic sense of value. And what the Bible says is the, the, the way that that works on a psychological level with our human fathers, it works on the, in the exact same way, far more profound, spiritual level with our heavenly father. And because our relationship with our heavenly father is broken, we have no intrinsic sense of worth because we don't have that connection to him and connection to his love. We have no intrinsic sense of worth or value because if we did, if we were connected to him, it was, it would change everything. Cause what is, what does he says? He says, I love you and you matter to me because I made you and you're my kid and that's it we all have this this perfect ideal of you know this this uh unconditional parental love and nobody's experienced it nobody has experienced it and God offers it he says I I just love you because I made you I love you because you're my kid and so I I don't care I just don't I don't care I don't care if you never get higher than a b minus I don't care if you have no artistic ability. I don't care if you drop the touchdown pass in the end zone at the last second. I don't care if you are funny looking and you talk funny and you walk funny and nobody wants to go out with you. I just, I don't care. I don't care because I'm your dad and you're my kid and I love you. And that's it. That settles it. That's the end of the discussion. There's that, um, that Avett brothers song that ends with the lines, you're mine and that's it. Whatever. You're mine and that's it forever. And that's what God says to us. He doesn't care. And if you can connect with that, then you don't need to compare yourself to others. You have that sense of value just from that relationship. Here's what he says. Here's what the the Bible says. Let me read this verse to you in Zephaniah chapter three. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I love that line. He will quiet you by his love. Just stop. Stop comparing. Stop talking about yourself. Stop talking about them and how you compare. Just hush. And he will exult over you with loud singing. If you can connect with that, all of a sudden it doesn't matter. You can throw the rankings in the trash. You don't have to try to be better. You don't have to be worried about being worse because you're loved and you matter just because God made you and you're his kid, and that's it. That settles it. That's the third point. It is possible to regain a sense of intrinsic worth by reconnecting with God our Father. Number four, a sense of intrinsic worth frees us to humbly serve others. A sense of intrinsic worth frees us to humbly serve others. I mentioned earlier that there are two places in the New Testament where this uh, word conceited, vainglory, canodoxa is used, and uh, I want to look at the other one now. So this is the very famous passage from second chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. There's the word. Do nothing operating out of that, out of that vainglory, out of that emptiness, but in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And then he gives an example of what he's talking about. He says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." So it's the same thing he was saying before. He's saying, don't provoke, don't envy, don't be concerned with superiority and inferiority. And remember, see what he bases it in. He says, if you have any comfort in being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from God's love, here's the effect it should have on you. It should make you no longer conceited, not not just in the narrow sense of being puffed up, but in this broader sense we've been talking about about obsessed with rankings. No longer obsessed with rankings because you feel his love, and so now you're able to humbly serve others. This, in this line, uh, consider others better than yourselves. I've looked at this passage, I don't know, several dozen times um, in group settings with people reading it and trying to figure out what it means. And the question is always, well, how? How do you do that? How do you consider others better than yourselves? And the, the honest answer is you can't. Um, as long as you're in this rankings game, it's impossible because to consider others better than yourselves means death, means you're valueless. But if you have this independent source of value that's separate from the rankings, then it's easy. It's easy to consider others better than yourself because who cares? And you can humbly serve them. And what we're hitting on there is that the uh, the ideas of pride and humility in the Bible are very different than the common conception of the ideas of of pride and humility, because the the way people think about it, and I've heard people talk about it in this way is, well, okay. I I know the Bible says that it's bad to be proud, but I mean, you got to have healthy self-esteem, right? You got to have confidence. So isn't there kind of like a, a fine line there between those? And on the other hand, I know the Bible says that it's good to be humble. Everybody's supposed to be humble. But it's not good to think too lowly of yourself. It's not good to have an inferiority complex or have low self-esteem. So isn't there kind of a fine line there between humility and low self-esteem? And that way of viewing it is completely wrong. Could not be more wrong. Could not be more backwards. Because what were we saying at the beginning? Inferiority and superiority are the things that are two sides of the same coin. And what the Bible says is, it's not that there's a fine line between pride and healthy self-esteem, like that one's just a higher degree of the other. No. There's a chasm between them. Healthy, healthy self-esteem is over here. Pride is over here. And the fine line is between pride and inferiority. Those are the two that go together, pride and low self-esteem. That, those are the two that are so close to each other, it's almost hard to distinguish them at times. And you just bounce back and forth between the two, or you've got, you're leading with one, but the other's behind those are the two that are indistinguishable. And then conversely, it's it's not that there's a, a fine line between humility and low self-esteem. Those are a world apart. The fine line is between humility and high self-esteem. Those two things always go together. They're, they're so close, they're almost indistinguishable. They're a package deal. Humility and high self-esteem. You have to have enormous self-esteem to be able to be truly humble. And if somebody looks like they have high self-esteem, but they're not humble, guess what? It's a fake. It's a put-on. It's a superiority complex. And inferiority is lurking not very far behind. And the example he uses of this is Jesus. He says, look at Jesus. Well, did Jesus have high self-esteem? He thought he was God, so you tell me. <laughs> and yet, he's the most humble person who's ever lived and that 's not like that 's not like a, that's not like, a both, uh, like a paradox like he has high self esteem and yet he was humble. no, they go together they 're the same thing. you have to have high self esteem this enormous sense of self worth from an independent source in order to be able to humbly serve others and not matter to you and not get to you and the converse uh, the, the the foil the opposite of Jesus is Satan, who has tremendous pride, more pride than any other being in the universe, coupled with this crippling sense of inferiority. High self-esteem and humility go together. And it's not until you have this sense of confidence and self-worth from God's love, from your connection with God as your father, that you're able to humbly serve and put others above yourself because all of a sudden the rankings don't matter anymore. That's number four, a sense of intrinsic worth frees us to humbly serve others fifth and finally number five humble service is the path to the high ranking we so desperately wanted in the first place humble service is the path to the high ranking we so desperately wanted in the first place and i'm throwing you a curveball a little bit at the end here um because it's a curveball the the bible throws uh you know the whole point so far has been don't care about the rankings Don't care about how you stack up against other people. Don't care about whether other people respect you or not. It's about God's love. And I think people can, you know, even though it's hard to uh, apply and hard to tap into, people kind of get that and jive with that idea. The the curveball the Bible throws at the end is, oh, and by the way, if you do that, at the point that you stop caring about the rankings, that's when God will start to raise you up in the rankings. Not just in his eyes, but in the eyes of other people as well. So the, the message is not um, everybody's equal. You know, that's, that's the world loves to talk about equality. The Bible does not talk very much about equality. The Bible talks about flipping the scales. It's not like uh, people think it's like this and everybody's equal. It's, it's people think it's like this and it's actually like this. And what the Bible says is not uh, be humble and then, you know, you'll be equal to everybody else. It says be humble and then you'll be the greatest. You say, well, why? You know, I thought the whole point was to stop caring about being the greatest. Why would God do that? Why would God raise you up? after all that? Well, because he wants to do big, important things in the world. And who's he going to choose to do it? Not the person who needs it. Not the person who has something to prove. Not the person who is clamoring for this big, important thing to do so they can distinguish themselves. He's going to choose the person who stopped caring, the person who is secure in his love, who's humble, who doesn't care anymore. And then he'll say, okay, I can use you. I can use you to do that. As soon as you stop caring about the rankings, that's when you start going up in the rankings. And that's what Paul says about uh, Jesus We left off in the middle of that uh, passage before from Philippians 2. Let me read the rest of it to you now. He says, uh, Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says, Jesus went lower, and then God raised him up higher. it's not just that passage. Jesus talks about it all the time. He says, whoever uh, exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And he says, uh, don't uh, go to a dinner party and take the best seat. Go to a dinner party and take the worst seat. Now, other religions, it just stops right there. Go to a dinner party, take the worst seat. End of story. Unselfishness. That's not what Christianity says. Christianity says, go to the dinner party, take the worst seat, and then the host of the dinner party will come tap you on the shoulder and say, friend, move up here to a better seat. But you have to stop caring first. 1 Peter 5.6, humble yourself under God's mighty hand and he will lift you up in due time. So there's this, this twist, this curveball, this irony at the end that once you stop caring about the rankings, um, lo and behold, God will raise you up. But first, you have to have this security it comes from him, this intrinsic sense of worth that's not related to how you stack up. And then that has to lead to humble service, pouring out your life for others, putting others above yourself. That's, uh, that's it. That's all five of them. I'll give them to you again. Inferiority and superiority are two sides of the same coin, two ways of obsessing about one's ranking. We're driven to obsess about our ranking because we feel that we don't have intrinsic worth. It's possible to regain a sense of intrinsic worth by reconnecting with God our Father A sense of intrinsic worth frees us to humbly serve others. And humble service is the path to high ranking we so desperately wanted in the first place. Uh, So two groups of people I want to say a quick word to as we close. The first is those of you that just have always felt like you never stacked up. And because of that, you felt like you don't matter. And the word for you is pretty clear. Hopefully you already got it, which is that you do matter. You matter because God made you and God loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you as your father, and it's possible to to get rid of those feelings um, by connecting with that and realizing that you have worth in him regardless of how you stack up to other people. Uh, the second group of people is those of you that uh, feel like you do stack up pretty well compared to other people. Um, you know, and you think that because of what you've done, you matter. You know, you think because you... Uh, went to this school and are at this job and make this amount of money and have this house and have your kids at this school and um, that you have now proven to the world proven to all your high school classmates you 've proven to your dad you 've proven to you know everybody you meet on Facebook that you actually matter that your life is important that you have worth as a human being and God brought you here this morning to tell you that you do not matter an ounce more than the panhandler you pass every day on the way to work. Not an ounce more. You, You have no more weight than he does. So look at him. Do you think he matters? That's how much you matter. But if you can forget about all that, if you can forget about the rankings, you can come to God, your Father. You can find true worth. You can find true value. It's not made up in your own mind. Made up in the magazines, but actually means something. True, intrinsic worth and value through your relationship with Him. Let's pray. God, we're just always looking around. We're constantly looking around, trying to see if we're better or worse. And when we're better, we feel like we count. And when we're worse, we feel like we're nothing. God, we want freedom from this terrible, cruel game that we all play and can't seem to stop playing. We want to be free from it. We want to have the sense that we matter, that we have importance and glory, not because of how we stack up, but because we're made and loved by you. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. I pray that you would convince us of that, and I pray that out of that confidence and high self-esteem and sense of worth, we would then be able to serve others, to put others above ourselves, to to be the the lowliest, to stoop down, and to put ourselves at the bottom um, with the confidence that you'll take care of us, and you'll love us no matter what, and you'll raise us up if you see fit. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who modeled for us what it means to put himself lower. Amen.